water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. everyone, and welcome back to What's Oppa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And we want to give a special shout out to our friend Shri, who read the intro. This is episode 10 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing The Great Divide. So let's just get right into the plot. Before we get into the plot, I think this episode starts off really strong with some lit ukulele music right in the beginning, um, and then falls off really hard after that. So. <laughs> Um, but just to set the scene, we hear this ukulele music, uh, it fades to white into the actual scene. And then we see this amazing rock formation and it really makes you think that this episode is going to be something special. But as we soon learn, <laughs> this will be a, quite a roller coaster. Yeah, I guess it is something special in a way. Yeah, it does. It's a holds a special place in the Avatar uh, universe, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, the first scene um, is Sokka is pitching a tent and he doesn't put the tarp on top of the tent. And Katara starts to pick a fight with him because she's like, what if it rains? And Sokka says, you know, why don't you just worry about gathering your firewood? And then she throws firewood at Sokka and Sokka tears down the tent. And it's just a rocky start to the Sokka-Katara relationship right off the bat. Uh, still kind of reeling from last episode, maybe, if you want to find some continuity here yeah something i found really interesting here is at least there's pretty good attention to detail um team avatar's tent here looks a lot more beat up and patched up than previous episodes so it's just cool to see that they have this attention to detail and there's a little bit of continuity in the world um but you know might quite possibly be the last bit of attention to detail we see in this episode so oh <laughs> <laughs> the roasts are starting early. I was like, oh, I don't know. Should we, you know, try to remain neutral? But I guess not. You know, here we go. Full force. Um, anyways, then Aang has a nice little bit of wisdom. You can say, maybe. I don't know. Um, but he says, harsh words won't solve problems. Action will. And then he says, making peace and settling feuds all in a day's work for the Avatar. So then Appa and Momo are also quarreling and he's not letting Momo eat this melon. And Aang splits it in two so that they can both eat. So here he is. Here he goes, settling feuds. But he gives Appa the bigger half because he says, hey, that's like, that's fair. He has five stomachs. So um, that's one of the moments that I found a little like kind of delightful as we learn a little bit about Appa's anatomy, I guess. <laughs> He's a very strange animal. But we love him nevertheless. Mm -hmm. um, so the next scene is they Team Avatar approaches the Great Divide, which gives Grand Canyon vibes, basically, exactly. It looks just like the Grand Canyon. And then this man comes in and he says, hey, if you're looking for the canyon guide, I was here first. Um, and I'm already annoyed. <laughs> and then he explains that the canyon guide is this earthbender and the only way in and out of the canyon is with his help. And meanwhile, you see Sock in the background with making, like, with these sound effects, like, <laughs> m uh, mocking him and mouthing, like, blah, 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 silently in the background while this guy is being, um, is complaining and stuff. And yeah, this is, like, you know, there are there are some gems with like hidden within this episode. I thought this was pretty funny. Yeah, that was a good moment uh, for sure. 
Um, so just a note on this uh, this guy uh, who comes up in the beginning, who's part of the Ganjin tribe, as we'll see. He has a very distinctive voice. And I realized that uh, the, the voice actor who plays this dude is named Scott Menville. And he also voices Robin from Teen Titans, uh, which is just something that's pretty funny because he, he has such a distinctive voice. Yeah, which is an allusion to a show with good episodes. Um, so the etymology of Great Divide uh, actually refers to the Atlantic Pacific Continental Divide in North and South America, which is kind of, if you imagine, um, one fourth of the way over from the West Coast of the uh, both continents just draw a line all the way down. And this is where the watershed, you know, kind of splits uh, where the water either goes towards the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean. Um, and you might wonder, what the heck does this have to do with a canyon? And that's a great point. Um, the Great Divide <laughs> in the Avatar world is uh, similar to the Grand Canyon in the real world, which, uh, you know, might, might have been an oversight. Hmm. There's your uh, daily dose of... Uh, geology knowledge from <laughs> from our podcast. <laughs> Comets are also not made of fire, so we're learning so many things. Um, so then the Zhang tribe approaches, and this man says, "Ah, they're a bunch of low life thieves. They've been the enemy of my tribe for a hundred years." Um, so a little bit more of etymology here. The Zhang tribe uh, is similar to the word Zhang in Chinese, which means dirty, and the Ganjin tribe. Uh, follows from ganjing in Chinese, which means clean. Um, and we kind of see this reflected in the two ideological backings of these tribes. And yeah. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I I didn't notice the like zhang and ganjing thing at all. But I mean, like, I love when they do very obvious name references like that, because it's like so obvious and so low level that I can understand it. But yeah, <laughs> I did not catch that. So it was super cool. Yeah. When I realized. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so another thing that I noticed that may have been some attention to detail that the, the writers of the show put in was what the Zhang tribe is wearing, or especially what the, uh, the Zhang leader is wearing. On her shoulders, you'll see pelts of hog monkeys, uh, which I thought was a pretty cool touch, given that we just saw hog monkeys in the previous episode. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So they're particularly menacing bunch of people. Flying hog monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Bleeding hog monkeys. Um, that's such a good catch. Yeah, I didn't know that the hog monkeys showed up as much as they did. Um, anyway, so he says he's reserving a spot, but the leader of the... Zhang tribe says that she doesn't see any of the Ganjins and she says where are they still tidying up their campsite and uh, if we're uh, thinking of pretty bad insults which we saw earlier with Katara and Sokka we get a lot more of where that those came from um, with the Zhang and Ganjin rivalry um, and some of them actually turn out to be pretty funny it reminds me it gives me similar vibes to the in Jet when Katara and Aang were making fun of Sokka um, and Sokka's instincts. Like, it's kind of these dumb insults that I find funny sometimes. Um, and then the canyon guide appears and he, the Zangs are about to go ahead with him because their whole party is there. But then the Ganjin arrived just in time. And as they arrived, there's this choral, like, music. Um, yeah, I could almost, like, imagine it being played at, so like, a like a church or a wedding or something. And they just all look very snooty. Um, 
and 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 the music is another thing to pay attention to when um, they like you know try to draw the great divide but between the tribes so yeah they do this in a lot of different ways but um yeah the leader of the zang tribe is arguing and says they have sick people and the man um from the ganjin tribe says we have old people and then the zang tribe leader says sick people have priority over old people and then uh, the leader of the zang or sorry ganjin tribe old man number five easier to say says maybe you zangs would have so many sick people if you weren't such slobs and then the woman says if you ganjins weren't so clean maybe you wouldn't live to be so old <laughs> which is I, I just, pretty good yeah i, I love this comeback because it's like like what <laughs> just... it's like you're trying so hard but actually that ends up being kind of funny um Anyways, it's like already the pettiest feud ever. And then Katara says, oh, by the way, Aang is the Avatar and he can I'm sure he can come up with a compromise. Um, and then Aang suggests that they travel together, obviously. And this fails miserably. Um, yeah. And then they keep bickering and Aang gets mad and he says, look, he takes a stand and he says, Appa will fly your sick and elderly across and then the rest of you walk together. Um, and I thought it was kind of cool to see him put his foot down and, you know, really take control here um and they all agree but one thing i noticed was that they just didn't care at all that ang was the avatar like at all and and so far when people when this has been mentioned people either have you know uh gut positive or negative reaction but they're so engrossed in their rivalry that they don't like i feel like they just don't think about anything else so then they're all getting ready to leave. And um, Sokka says, you, you know, this feuding tribe stuff seems serious. Are you sure you want to get involved in this? And Aang says, to tell you the truth, I'm not sure. But when have I ever been? And he has this huge grin. Look, He looks a little sheepish here. But yeah, it's a, a nice little dose of his optimism as usual. And his go with the flow attitude, which, you know, he probably shouldn't have gotten involved here in my opinion, but whatever. He's going to try. And then the guide says there's no food allowed in the canyon because it attracts dangerous predators. Ooh. Yeah. So knowing what we know about the canyon crawlers, the guide is like, like ridiculously relaxed about checking for food. He just kind of like accepts that no one has brought food and they just like meander their way down. Um, even though we, we clearly learned that. Uh, these canyon crawlers are more dangerous than a whole squadron of Fire Nation soldiers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. He also just says dangerous predators and he doesn't even explain how terrifying they are. Um, but anyways, yeah, this guy is just very, guide is very chill right now so far. But yeah, so then he destroys this pathway um, because he's like, oh, we don't want to be followed by the Fire Nation. And then he says, we'll be safe now, but not so fast. There's this giant shadow of this uh, spider looking thing coming up from behind him. So cannon callers, scary things. They the spider. OK, so I described it as a spider looking thing before I really knew what it was. The spider looking thing snatches the guide and Aang attacks with airbending basically does nothing they don't they barely even flinch and then Sokka goes in with his boomerang Katara uses the water whip her signature move against them and then finally Aang manages to ward this one spider thing off um by using this tornado move and then the guide actually ends up breaking his arms um and then he says there's sure to be more um yeah and he's like he's so broken <laughs> um, and he can't uh, earthbend without his arms but Anyways, fun facts about these canyon crawlers. They're actually meant to be a mix of 
crocodile and spider. Um, and the way this hybrid animal came about was that the creators said that the canyon crawlers were an experiment to sh- uh, see how crazy they could get with their animal hybrids. And they actually could not envision what a crocodile spider cross would look like. And then they challenged all the animators to kind of, you know, asked all the animators to see, like, could you imagine what this hybrid would be? And then you get the canyon crawler from that. So uh, wow. it was a little bit of a fun competition among the animators. But it turns out to be this monstrosity. So I think I like the cute hybrids a little more and <laughs> not into these experimental hybrids because I like any bug you could be scared of. This thing kind of resembles. Hmm. Um, it actually kind of reminds me of the uh, wasp things in the desert episode. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I just like terrifying. Yeah, I'm so just dis- I feel towards the canyon crawlers. Like the Ganjin feel towards the Zangs. <laughs> so much disgust. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, then uh, they are trapped because this guy can't earthbend without his arms, which is also seems like he's not a very good earthbender then because everyone else can earthbend with their feet and other parts of their bodies. Um, then each leader accuses the other of having food and they refuse to travel together. Yeah, so... I think by this point, we've heard, like Joyce mentioned earlier, there's like a difference in music uh, with the choral music used to introduce the ganjins. Uh, but I think it's worth mentioning that when the pan, the camera pans to either group, there's a clear difference in the leitmotif music that they use to highlight each group. Uh, the Zhangs are much deeper bass tones, um, whereas the Ganjins are like lighter, uh, higher octaves, um, kind of representing how clean they are. I just thought that was cool because we see this uh, kind of continuity through the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there are nice touches there. Um, but yeah, Aang says, then fine. Clearly, they're not going to be able to get along. So he says they'll split up and travel in two separate lines. And then he tells Katara to go with the Ganjins and Sokka to go with the Zangs. And he asks them to try and figure out why they hate each other so much. Yeah, this was the first time where I noticed, like, Joyce, I know you mentioned this uh, at the beginning of the episode. But this is the first time I noticed where Aang really takes like real re- leadership of the situation. And I don't think we've really seen this in any other episode up till now. Uh, like he he puts his foot down for real here and makes like the decision to separate them, tells Katara and Sokka to split up two and they mm. don't even talk back to him. Yeah. So I thought this point. was really the first time where Aang takes real leadership of a situation. Yeah. My question is, why is Aang sending Sokka to the dirty people? And why is Katara going with the clean people? Seems like some uh, some profiling here, you know? I think the show tries to make this a weird re- uh, relation between the beginning of the episode and the middle of the episode, where at the beginning they're fighting over the tent and the Ganjins, you know, kind of relate to Katara that she wants to put the tarp on and the Zongs like relate yeah. to Sokka. But like, I don't really see how putting a tent on has anything to do with your cleanliness at all. Yeah. Anyways, it's yeah, it's all like pretty contrived, but yeah, no, I agree. There's some profiling going there. <laughs> like, what is Aang trying to suggest? Um, but then, yeah, Sokka goes with the Zangs and he asks the Zangs about the tarp. Um, and then she's uh, the leader is like, oh, why put up a tarp? It's dry season. Use the tarp as a blanket. Duh. <laughs> um, and I'm like, wow, what a quinky dink. They think the exact same way. It's like this was meant to advance the plot or something. Um, but also I was like, wait, this actually makes so much sense. Like if you remember that it's winter time, it's cold. You know, I feel like the the 
pros of using the tarp as a blanket outweigh the cons of it potentially raining like it probably won't rain so i don't know pretty practical um and then katara's with the ganjins and then she asks the ganjins leader why they put the tarp up and then he says you can never be too careful right and then her eyes light up they use the <laughs> eyes in very interesting yeah. ways this episode um right. uh, yeah later with ang too you see them just being they're very animated yeah, and then so Katara is sitting around with the Ganjins at the campfire, and Katara looks around, and there, there she's slouching a little bit. And after she looks around, she sits up a little straighter, which I thought was funny detail. And then the leader unveils a piece of bread from his sleeves, and then you cut to Katara, and then you cut back to everybody sitting around the campfire, and fire, and all of a sudden, everyone around the campfire is eating like full meals with their chopsticks, and it's just like everyone seems so robotic. It's just like these tribes are so. Um, homogenous like it's it's weird like and I read this online not my point but basically somebody pointed out that all the villages and all the people all the villages team Avatar goes to all the people they encounter even if it's just a one village they're usually pretty distinct personalities among the villagers mm -hmm. who they end up encountering and everyone here is like literally there's nothing else to any, anybody like there's nothing to any of these people except they're clean or they're messy and it's just very robotic and weird i don't like it <laughs> yeah i noticed a couple other east asian idiosyncrasies here um the way the leader of the ganjins wears his hair back in a bun uh actually re reminded me a lot of the emperor from mulan um oh, he looks a yeah. lot like him yeah uh, good point and and yeah the zhang's kind of reminded me of the han actually from the movie which also it's a kind of strange Whoa. connection to make wow yeah no that's a really good point um i actually thought of mulan later in this episode too so um, i'll mention that <laughs> but that's funny um yeah and then katara says oh you guys had food this whole time the leader guy says oh come on now do you really think that the tribe of thieves isn't smuggling food why should my people go hungry when the sneaky zangs are stuffing their faces and then katara says well i guess if everyone's doing it yeah, and my thought here is like, what the heck? This is the exact, exactly the same in last episode in Jet when either Smellerby or Peepsqueak said the exact same thing about why they were following Jet, and I'm, I thought like, wow, Katara really just drops the ball here. Um, yeah, and yeah. usually you would think Katara is so like you know self righteous. Like I feel like, according if you were to like follow her character as we've seen thus far like she would definitely not be okay with this yeah yeah totally um and then Katara asks why they hate the Zangs so much and then so we launch into the Ganjin story and the Ganjin story is that Jin Wei was an earthbender who was tasked with transporting this sacred orb from the great eastern gate to the great western gate and represents the sun's rising and setting and meanwhile the animation here is pretty like I don't know, realistic, well, like nicely drawn. Um, and the music is very triumphant, very ceremonial. And then as uh, the story goes, as he approached the gate, he was attacked by one of the Zangs, uh, quote, a vermin named Wei Jin, who looked at the orb with envy. Um, and just a, a little note that's a little kind of obvious, but it's good to point out is that the names are exactly reversed. And it's like they're opposites. Get it? Mm. <laughs> wow. Um, some other fun facts. Uh, according to the wiki, Wei Jin means to take gold, um, which kind of relates to how he allegedly took the sacred orb. Um, 
I, I can't account for a way, but I know Jing means gold. <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> I yeah. was like, oh, <laughs> does Justin actually know this? That's, that's pretty advanced. Anyways, um, yeah, then Wei Jin is knocked uh, by Jin Wei to the ground and Jin Wei stole the orb. And then the leader says, our people have never forgotten. You can never trust a Zhang. And then Katara just gets really angry at the Zhangs for the story and she empathizes immediately. Meanwhile, at the Zhang campfire, Sokka is sitting with them and the lady says, care for some meat. And Sokka says, would I? And takes it immediately without question. Um... I guess this is kind of in line with Sokka's personality. <laughs> and then the lady says, you must think we're horrible for bringing food and explains, quote, the Ganjins think so badly of us. They probably assumed we brought food in and decided to bring food in themselves. That's why we brought food in, <laughs> um, which is funny. And then the lady Zhang launches into their version of the story. And the animation here is just pretty cool. And uh, the music is a little bit more tribal. I guess there's it's more percussive. Yeah, like like everything else in the episode, the differences in animation kind of reflect the differences uh, between the two tribes. And it's also pretty over the top. Um, so in the Ganjin story, the animation was, like Joyce said, like very shiny, like things were like well kept, like well drawn and everything. And then in this story, everything's kind of like brutish it's like it's very very crude so like the colors are really dark it's it's like a 2d animation um and everyone kind of looks crude and the animation is very crude mm -hmm. yeah no it's cool the differences that they use um but the story here goes that Weijin was leaving the western gate of his village when he saw a figure in the distance and it was Jin Wei collapsed on the ground Weijin tried to help him and then Jin Wei was said that he was transporting the sacred orb for this uh his tribe's redemption ritual then Wei Jin tried to tend to his wounds but Jin Wei insisted the orb was more important and asked Wei Jin to take it back to his tribe but as soon as he stepped into Ganjin territory with the orb he was arrested and they sentenced him to 20 years in prison um and this version of the story is pretty sad i think it's like i don't know you feel really bad for him anyways sad story and then uh meanwhile ang and momo are watching uh from afar watching the campfires and then the guide says it's lonely isn't it being impartial mm. what struck me about this scene is that the guide's arms are just straight up busted. Like, yeah, one one arm is just in a sling. The other one is propped up by a piece of wood. And like, my guy is just struggling. Yeah, he's just I know. completely destroyed. He's, he literally only <laughs> existed for them to get stuck. Yeah. Um, no, and it's sad. And uh, yeah, just about the quote again. It's lonely, isn't it? Being impartial. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a really good quote. And it's kind of true, like uh, to be kind of unbiased is like pretty difficult um and yeah the guide was kind of this loopy crazy dude <laughs> who was you know is going to later be extremely paranoid and just you know kind of of a, a kind of a goof um but then here you see in the quieter moments that he's very wise and this gave me iroh vibes for sure um so the next day, Aang asks Sokka and Katara if the two tribes can get along long enough to get out of the canyon. And Katara says, I don't think so. The Zangs really wrong the Ganjins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how they're so like freaking gullible in this episode. Like they don't reconcile each other's arguments. Yeah, yeah. it's not realistic. It doesn't well, I guess they don't really hear the other side. So it's like. 
they would obviously just believe whatever they heard, right? Yeah, but like if they heard conflicting stories, they would like ask each other about it, right? They wouldn't just assume like malice on the other person's part. Like, yeah, but they didn't really have a chance to before the fight. Yeah, that's yeah, my defense. I don't know. But Katara just like squints her eyes. She's like, "Of course, Sokka's wrong." You know, like what does he know? He doesn't know the truth. She's got like that kind of, kind of attitude. And and to be fair, Sokka like kind of responds in step with that. Um, I don't know. They're just so close-minded here, I think, is the main thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they were already fighting, too, so they're definitely primed to not agree. Anyway, so, yeah, then the tribes start fighting, and there's no time to resolve any of their sibling struggles. Um, but then Aang shouts, oh, harsh words won't solve problems, action will. And then they're like, perhaps he's right. And then Aang's face lights up, and he has these huge anime eyes and there's a sparkle sound effect and then they're like yeah maybe he's right action will solve it and they both draw their swords and start fighting they announce to the death um, <laughs> which is crazy um yeah anyways yeah, way to go Aang. <laughs> yeah and um so they just have a very quick fight and it's uh pretty funny actually because the old man's beard gets cut off and then the lady's bun gets cut off and the music is a little Agni Kai-esque and which I always like and then Aang shoots this blast of air between them and it pushes the two leaders back and it also reveals all the food that both tribes have brought um yeah and then he just tells them off like um when he sees the food he's so angry he looks beastly when he airbends here and yeah anyways this is just a side of Aang I feel like we never see also let's keep in mind that Aang has not eaten anything and he's definitely very irritable here um and he says you guys put our lives in danger because you can go one day without a snack you guys are all dot 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 that he pauses here awful um and I kind of like the delay before awful because I was just like, oh, baby Aang doesn't know how to insult people. He's never used harsh <laughs> words, you know, um, like he said, harsh words won't solve problems. But here he's resorted to calling them awful. Um, also, you know, you couldn't go without a snack for a day. I was like, easy for you to say you were a monk. <laughs> um, and then uh, he sees these egg tart. He sees this egg tart and the animation here. This is definitely one of the other maybe redeeming moments of this episode. And he sees this egg tart and he says, is that egg custard in that tart? And his lips are all pouty. And, uh, you know, I just liked how this Asian delicacy got its uh, little moment to shine in this uh, mainstream Nickelodeon show. Yeah, I don't know. This moment was kind of weird to me. Like, he was just telling off all these people for being terrible. And then it just randomly changes to him, like, all googly-eyed at this egg tart. I don't know. Didn't He's so I... hungry, though. And it's his favorite <laughs> it so food. It's one of his favorite foods, apparently, right, according right, to Avatar Wiki. Um, yeah, I'll give it to him. I, I, I agree with Anand. It's, like, a very, very strange tonal shift. Um, yeah. Out of place, I think. Um kind of unwarranted too it, it doesn't make any sense in the context of the situation yeah. <laughs> like they're all about to die uh clearly they can't yeah. even fight off one canyon uh crawler and the two groups of people he was with are trying to kill each other um and it just randomly cuts to like a, <laughs> yeah. like the one and a half minute scene of ing like just drooling over a cut like a custard on the ground one and a half minutes is a gross exaggeration <laughs> anyways 
Yes, the cannon crawlers come and they're all doomed. <laughs> and the other thing that struck me is the Avatar, the Avatar state conveniently doesn't go off, even though they're all literally about to die. Um, and yeah, as we see, this is the first of Aang's deus ex machina moments. Well, no, he actually cleverly solves this one. I yeah, think I feel like this one, this one, he like does do something that he comes up with. But um, anyways, the old guide is here. He's uh, kind of regressed back into his crazy paranoia. And he says, they're coming back for me. They had a taste and they're coming back for me, um, which was funny. And uh, yeah, anyways, so then like a bunch of them come out from the canyon and they're disgusting and I hate them and they're so gross. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then Aang uh, sees that the crawlers are actually more interested in the food, and then he has the idea to lure the crawlers in with the food and bag uh, or muzzle the canyon crawlers with the bags um, and then use them to climb up the side of the mountain riding on the backs of the crawlers. Um, and this actually reminded, this was what reminded me of Mulan. It reminded me of the ending when they scale the Emperor's Palace with their, um, with their sashes. I don't know. I don't really see that many parallels, but for some reason Mulan came to mind, so. Anyways, I was just, I didn't like the idea of uh, riding on these creepy crawlies' backs. That was kind of <laughs> gross. When Aang, like, when Aang mounted the canyon crawler, I just was like, wah. <laughs> Anyways, um, then they, like, scale the mountain, or scale the canyon, and the Avatar theme is playing, and, you know, it just felt, the moment felt rather anticlimactic relative to the other times the Avatar theme has played, and I was yeah. like, uh, they're, they're just, you know, they're, uh, diluting yeah diminishing the the the, value of the avatar exactly (laughs) exactly um anyways and then they throw the food back into the canyon the crawlers leave and everything is perfect yay and then the zang leader says i never knew the ganjins could get their hands so dirty and the ganjin leader says i never knew the zangs were so reliable in a pinch and i just thought obviously they were reliable you all would have died if you didn't do (laughs) the thing that you ended up doing um Anyways, it's a little unrealistic dialogue there, in my opinion. But then the Zhang leader says, perhaps we aren't so different after all. And the leader of the Ganjin says, because he sucks, too bad we can't rewrite history. <laughs> and he draws the sword. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, it's he sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This kind of was the first nail in the coffin for me. It's like, man, like this show just... At least this episode lacks the complexity that other episodes have. Um, I think it, it makes this like geopolitical kind of tension between these two groups just like way too simplified, especially coming off the heels of Jet. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a tough act to follow, I think, and a tough act to precede um, coming up. But anyways, yeah, Aang is like, uh, he hears some bickering. He says, wait, Jin Wei, Wei Jin, I know those guys. And he's like, I may not look like it, but I'm actually 112 years old. And he was there on that day. Um, and actually, like the way his he has his light bulb moment, it seems pretty real. Like we find mm-hmm. out Aang is lying, but damn, is he a good liar? Because it's yeah. it comes up so quickly when right when he hears their names, too. There's like zero time for processing or thinking, um, making up the story. Um, so I don't know, maybe Aang is manipulative too. Maybe he learned something from Jet <laughs> about <laughs> manipulation. Um, anyway, so Aang's story, there's a little split animation style at the very beginning. Um, but then it turns into just like cartoon baby 
like style. Um, and then he says, Jinwei and Wei Jin weren't enemies. They were brothers. In fact, they were twins. Um, it makes sense, I guess, with their names. Um, and he says, and they were just eight and they were just playing a game. And the sacred orb was the ball and the eastern and western gates were the goalposts. And then he says, Jin Wei had the ball and was running when he fell and fumbled. Then Wei Jin took it and started running towards the other goal, but stepped out of bounds. So the official, which is a panda bear, yeah, <laughs> put him in the penalty box bear. for two short minutes instead of 20 long years. Um, and then the Ganjin guy from the beginning is like, oh, but what about a redemption ritual? And then Aang is like, that's what the game was called. Uh, redemption. And so his hesitation there is kind of like the, the first clue. But, you know, other than that, like he really pulled this lie together so quickly. Yeah. So and then they they believe the story. Right. And that's what like resolves their differences. So my thing is, why would this story cause them to um, like accept each other when working together didn't? Like this story is like so silly and that somehow causes them to resolve the conflicts, but like fighting together and solving a problem, like that's not what actually resolves the problem. Like I think it would have been so much better if, if like they had conflict or whatever and then after they work together, they like can move on. Right. Cause it's like, okay, who cares about what happened in the past? But like, we were able to work together now. And like, we had all these grudges, but like we were able to put it behind because we worked together and solved the problem. I feel like that's a much better lesson than like what ended up happening. I know. I completely agree. It's just like, uh, yeah, it makes no sense. Anyways, Aang says, don't get me wrong. Wei Jin was a bit of a slob and Jin Wei was a bit stuffy, but they respected each other's differences enough to share the same playing field, which I guess is a nice quote. Um, Anyways, yeah, good-ish lesson, I guess. But yeah, his story is really just absurd. And then the Zhang leader says, let's travel to the Earth Kingdom capital as one tribe. And everyone cheers. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, wait a second. Okay, like, forgiveness, sure. But they're going to unify tribes. <laughs> like, yeah. This is just so over the top. And then... um Sokka says, that was some luck you knew Jin Wei and Wei Jin. And Aang says, you could call it luck. Or you could call it lying. And he has this huge smirk on his face. And then he says, I made the whole thing up. And then Katara says, you did not. And then she says, that is so wrong. <laughs> and she has this like, I don't know, like, I'm going to draw the comparison to Nala's eyes during Can You Feel the Love Tonight? If you guys know what I'm I, I don't know that reference. It's like a oh devilish grin. I'm sorry. It's a devilish grin. It's like, it's like, uh, anyways. Yeah, people just joke about that being very, like, the highest of sexual tension between Simba and Nala. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, it was, like, really uncomfortable when Katara said that. <laughs> yeah, I thought, like, dang, Katara's in the bad boys. First Haru, then Jet, then this. It's like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Aang is just so out of character here. And anyways. Wait, well, also, like, I was reading this online, so I didn't think of this, but also the story doesn't really make sense. Like, so if if they were eight years old, Wei Jin and Jin Wei, and it was only 100 years ago, they would have grown up and presumably, like, this knowledge would have passed down to a lot of the people who are still living today, especially when the leader of the Ganjin is super old. Yeah. Like, the fact that it was only 100 years ago is, I don't know, that's, that's, that's not super point. Uh, quick maths, doesn't check out. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, the uh, Avatar extras here said that, said fact, making up a story about a tribe's history is wrong. Good lesson. 
And then it follows that up with, unless it brings two tribes together who have been feuding for over 100 years. <laughs> so that concludes this episode. But a question for you guys. Yeah, what is your thought? Like, I, I kind of am curious about what you think, like, the moral of the story is here. And then also, is Aang's lying okay? Okay, so in terms of this episode, I, for what it is, I think it was, I like it better that Aang was lying rather than it being like uh, the the actual story because that would have been super convenient for Aang just to have known the two people who were just playing this game and it would have been super convenient for him to solve this conflict without actually having to do anything just because he randomly knew the two people right so like in a sense you can think that Aang lying is a creative solution to the problem so I like it better in that sense but also if if peace between like two nations two tribes whatever is built on a lie that is bound to go sideways at some point once it, whenever whoever figures out that's a lie like there will be massive war between the two <laughs> tribes and, and things will not go well like i think it's definitely a wrong moral for uh for peace to be brought about with a lie i guess the first thing i'll say which i think is interesting is that um it's lying is actually not a precept of Buddhism. Uh, it actually says to speak the right truth. Um, so white lies actually could be interpreted as being okay in Buddhism. But I think this is a stretch too far. Um, you know, I, for all the reasons Anand gave, I'm not going to repeat them. I, I think yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely... Um don't like that this is saying like it's okay to lie in some cases because that's true but yeah I, it's just not the right solution here and it's uh, clearly a very flimsy lie and yeah but anyways I when I was thinking about it more I was like okay well like the reality of the situation was they were about to literally fight to the death like those two leaders were about to fight to the death I mean like Aang probably would have been able to stop them because he's the avatar and that's probably maybe what he should have done just like Ben did and like stopped them physically <laughs> um but yeah no like that those were the stakes right so that's like one possible uh reason that that would be okay I don't know I, I guess if you're trying to broker peace between groups of people though there should be a foundation of trust yeah also I was just thinking that he really tried all other options Right. Like he got like he got them to work together. Like he um, tried to just, you know, suggest they travel together. He like brought their sick and elderly across like he's tried other things. And, you know, like, I guess this is kind of a really last resort. Well, yeah, I think it would have been sick if Avatar Kiyoshi kicked in for a moment here and she's like, stop fighting. And she like separates them into islands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's better, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, another thing that this reminded me of is like, oh, when you know, I was thinking and I was kind of researching, when else does Aang lie? And Aang has done it, um, like he lied to Katara in the beginning. Um, he does it other times, but yeah, he really has no remorse for it here, first of all, which I think is a bad lesson. He doesn't even feel bad about it. In fact, he feels pretty good about it. Um, and actually, this situation just reminded me of the fortune teller episode where they lied to save the village from themselves, too. And like, is that OK? Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of a similar dilemma of uh, yeah. saving people from themselves because you you think you like know. Well, I guess better. that's not really the situation here where he thinks he knows better. But yeah, it's a little white lie for the benefit of these people. 
Well, yeah, in the previous episode, Jet lies to Katara and Aang because he thinks he's benefiting the people. Yeah, exactly. I know. I, know. I, I agree. I agree with you guys. I think all three of us are on the same page. Yeah. But yeah, like, that's a good connection. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what they're getting at here. OK, anyway, so I think the there are anti lessons from this episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So the next question is, this episode has the worst IMDb rating of all the episodes. How would you have made this episode better? I I think this episode could have been so much better if the Zhang and the Ganjins see through Aang's lie. Um, and Aang has to deal with the fact that he wasn't able to solve this problem through a lie. Mm-hmm. And if we could see this somehow materialize later down in Avatar or in Korra, I think that would have been really interesting. Mm, yeah, I, cool. I agree. I, I like that. I think my answer to this would be similar to what I was saying earlier, which was like, yeah, maybe kind of related to yours, Justin, like if Aang had lied to them earlier, but then like they saw through it or something and then the canyon crawlers came and then they all fought together and then they like bonded more. I would have bought that a whole lot more than just a stupid story. I agree with what you both said. Um, I think one of the things that annoyed me the most was, like I was saying, just being annoyed at the two tribes, like the two leaders and just their pettiness. Um, And over what? Like, I I think some people praise this episode and I I think it's a good story or a good lesson, too, that, you know, it warns against the dangers of prejudice and like misinformation and these myths that people use to kind of divide themselves against each other Um, and, you know, like. I don't know, like biases against different culture, like cultures that are different from yours. But like the fact that the like the fact that their cultural difference was like neat versus messy. And like it was just so like I feel like there's so many other things you could do that are like a better way to portray like uh, these like deep differences between people. And it was just like not I don't know, not thought out in my opinion. And it was just like so arbitrary. Um, so I think I would have wanted to see like something a little bit more believe, like some conflict that's a little bit like deeper, or, like more believable. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very great uh, seminar on <laughs> Great Divide, everybody. <laughs> um, so let's conclude with our ratings. Oh, man. OK, um, I mean, I think everyone saw this coming, but I'm going to give it a one. Um, yeah, everything in this episode is just so over the top. Nothing is subtle. No, no appreciation for detail or any of the subtleties that literally like almost any other the other episode of the show have. Like even even the music that or the light motifs or whatever that represent the two groups is just so, so exaggerated. Everything is exaggerated. Um, like nothing is believable. Like Sokka and Katara have weird personalities in this episode. And then the two tribes are have no personalities and weirdly reconcile at the end. So that makes no sense. The one thing I'll just the one thing that like is something unique about this episode, which I appreciate a little bit, is the fact that they were able to try out so many animation styles. Like you have the two stories and Aang's story. And like they were able to experiment with this uh, canyon crawler creature, which was pretty, pretty terrifying. So that's like it's only saving grace. But yeah, it's I think very, very easily the worst episode of Avatar. Agreed. Uh, I also give it a one. Uh, I think that's enough said. If you yeah. if you want an explanation, just listen to the last fifty some yeah. odd minutes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I gave it a one. Um, the one thing I'll add is just that, like, I just 
I like the show because it deals with so many like hard lessons that uh, they get to insidiously and put put into these children's brains. And there's just anti lessons here. And uh, like what? Like the ending is just like, what? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Anyways, so there you have it. That's our uh, podcast on The Great Divide. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we release on WhatsApp on Wednesday, so we'll see you next time for our discussion of The Storm, which will hopefully take us back on the right track. (laughs) If you want to stay up to date with when we release or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram slash Twitter at at what's underscore appa like our facebook page or you can email us at what's at gmail.com also subscribe to our podcast on apple or spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with that five star rating if you please um thank you guys again and we'll see you next time bye bye flame you hotman. <laughs> <laughs>